I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 19th of May, and this is The Courier Daily. We've been talking with small business owners all over the world for almost two months now to find out ways they're growing and finding opportunities during the crisis. First up today, you might have seen that Noma, one of the world's best restaurants, announced its reopening, temporarily at least, as an outdoor wine bar serving drinks and cheeseburgers in its garden overlooking a lake. Sounds pretty good to me. It also sounds like a good model for F&B this summer, according to Dan Frommer, the founder of The New Consumer, who we've been hearing from every few weeks now from his perch in Brooklyn. Dan reckons outdoor commerce is exactly the right feeling for the moment, and maybe an idea for how lots of restaurants and stores and commercial districts might approach reopening. Dan's on the line now. And um, Dan, I mean, first of all, you seem like uh, sort of the guy who's been to Noma at least once before, right? I went to Noma once, about a year ago, actually, during seafood season. It was a special anniversary slash birthday visit. It was a really delightful experience. Like they, you know, obviously the food is great. Rene Rizepi, you know, famous chef, top restaurant in the world. But what really made it special was the experience. They really pay attention to you there. They talk you through a lot of things. They make it feel like you are a special person. A lot of restaurants are about hospitality, but this really hit a another level. Rene announced, it was either him or, or one of his team announced that this week they're reopening, but they're not going to be the kind of normal gastronomy hot cuisine as they normally are. It's going to be an outdoor wine bar, basically with cheeseburgers outside overlooking a lake, which sounds kind of cool actually, right? It's perfect. And I mean, even for me, it was surprising that Noma itself had to close, but now in hindsight, of course it had to close. Everything had to close. You know, Rene, what he said is basically who wants to sit down for a 15 course meal right now for five hours? Like even I don't, or especially I don't, it hit me, duh. Even in a place like that where the dining room is set up so that they really do have enough distance between seats and it's not a super high density New York or London tiny hole in the wall where you're basically, you know, elbows to elbows with everybody. Noma is spread out. They Once they do properly reopen, I think they will be able to do so safely for Rene Rizepi to say, you know what, screw everything. We're doing a wine bar outside in the in the yard, I think is kind of a perfect sign of the times where what people need right now is not a super serious tasting menu of, you know, perfectly constructed small plates. What people need is to kind of stretch their legs a little bit, get outside, enjoy a little wine, enjoy a cheeseburger that's been, as they say, laced with ferments. It is Noma. And they're also making a veggie burger, which is probably going to be the, the world's most ridiculous veggie burger. So if I try to get a reservation now, I, I assume in 2026, I'll be able to experience this beautiful outdoor restaurant. <laughs> no <laughs> reservations, just walk up. Is it walk up, really? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. My understanding is that there will be some sort of capacity. You know, they don't want to endanger anyone's health. They just want a fun kind of communal return to some sense of, of normal life. So... There will be a capacity of people who are invited to sit at the outdoor kind of seating areas, but they'll also be selling cheeseburgers and wine to go. The new Noma is kind of in the middle of not really a a busy commercial area. So I don't know if you're going to want to sit like roadside and chow on a cheeseburger, but you can walk or bike to, you know, probably a bench somewhere where you can enjoy it or take it home if you're in Copenhagen. And, And I think that's one of the side notes to this is, a place like Noma, 
probably, I'm guessing the majority of their business is people who are traveling from out of town. Certainly there are people in Copenhagen and Denmark and surrounding areas who, who do eat there, but a lot of tourists, a lot of people who are doing their kind of bucket dining list trips. So as long as travel is cut off either from the US or from Europe, it's going to be hard for them to get back to their normal business. So this solves a lot of problems. And I think it's a really interesting model. Yeah, you wrote in your your newsletter yesterday, this feels right, you know, for the moment, this might be a model that other, you know, restaurants and also commercial districts and cities might want to adopt, you know, simple and outside outdoor commerce. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, you know, actually, my second job and my second favorite job of all time was working at a different kind of outdoor retailer selling actually outdoor products. And every summer we would have a sidewalk sale where we would kind of set up shop on the sidewalk and have a couple hangers out there. And I don't think we brought a cash register out there, but it was, it was the sidewalk sale. And what were you selling Dan? We were selling sleeping bags and tents and, you know, North face fleece and all that kind of stuff. I kind of think that's what every store is going to be this summer is the sidewalk sale every day. And it will have to be in a way that respects the traffic flow of the street and the sidewalk, you know, maintain social distancing, require masks if local authorities deem necessary. By the way, all of this was is with the giant asterisks. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a, a, a virus specialist. So I'm only reciting what I can read. And that changes every day. So the most important thing, of course, is safety right now. But if we're going to reopen, and there's going to be a lot of people who are too anxious to go into stores, especially small stores. I love this idea of being in the outdoors where there's airflow, where you can stand six feet away from people and still do a little business. And I guess it's kind of fortuitous that we're heading into summer right now. At least it's not the dead of winter, right? Where that might be difficult. I mean, in your newsletter, you bring up examples from California and Lithuania that might be uh, interesting models to look at. Yeah. Berkeley, California, apparently it's exploring this idea of just shutting down their main street and turning it into an outdoor cafe. I love this idea. If you haven't been to Berkeley, there's basically this big high street that is, it's a college town. There's there's people there. It's outside of San Francisco and Oakland. There's this giant plaza, basically, that if you get rid of the cars, it seems like a really great, you know, it feels like kind of the old town square in Prague or something like that, where you just shut down all car traffic, put some tables out there. I've since read other articles that basically say this outdoor cafe, it's still pretty risky. You know, you're really going to want tables to be pretty far apart. There's the whole, you know, what bathroom are you going to be using? You're going to be sharing. You're going to have to go inside and crawl downstairs. Because inherently, I mean, we think, I don't know why, but that being outside, it's like, oh, there's airflow and wind everywhere. And actually, I mean, if I'm the cough in your general direction outside, it's going to get you just as much as it will be in in a normal room, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Again, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I mean, it it does seem that like if people are sitting close together outside, it's probably just as dangerous as inside a restaurant. I think it's relatively safer with air circulation. And that, you know, one of the big questions for restaurants going forward is what kind of air circulation systems and bug zappers are you going to need to install? I think outside is inherently safer than inside. I don't know the degree of which it's safer or the degree that the risks are lower, but it feels like. And and this is the big problem. How much can you trust people to do the right thing? You know, you you see pictures from parks around the world and you can immediately conclude we can't really trust people to do the right thing. But if there are good policies set 
forth by local authorities and, and health departments. And if people adhere to them, you know, whether it's, you know, only sitting with people from your household, not sharing food across the table, I think there is an opportunity to do things outside on a kind of one-off basis this summer that could bring a little life back to cities that could make people feel like they're not stuck inside and also, you know, control as much as possible the spread of coronavirus. You would hope that local governments and cities are, you know, lenient and flexible enough and adaptable enough to kind of snap their fingers and make these things happen because, you know, you would imagine there's a lot of red tape for these kind of places operating in circumstances in which they normally don't operate on the sidewalk or something like that. Absolutely. And for the safety, not only of their customers, but of their teams too. The last thing that any restaurant wants is for their cooks to get sick or their servers. So, you know, food service is one kind of vertical that is covered by this. I think of all sorts of types of retail though, like, you know, turn the parking lot into an outdoor showroom of some sort. Yes, you got to set up and take it down. So maybe this is just for the weekends, but whether it's taking over a, a school lot for a flea market or a big parking lot for a pop-up showroom, I think there are opportunities to do things that are more than zero right now, this summer especially, and get some sort of commerce flowing in a creative way that feels you know improvised and not permanent, but also fun enough that people would want to participate in it. And to me that, you know, if, if we zoom out, like that is the whole point of small business, of, of independent retail is to, is to be creative, is to be improvisational in the, in the face of, you know, bigger problems and, and bigger competitors. And yeah, we've seen over the last few months that e-commerce has solved a lot of the problems here. We ha also have an opportunity to do in-person outdoor activities and outdoor commerce that, um, you know, that may seem ridiculous in, in normal times, but right now is exactly what we need. Dan Frommer there from The New Consumer. And make sure to sign up to Dan's excellent newsletter at newconsumer.com. And finally today, we're in Manchester to catch up with Laura Bath. She's a one-woman small business owner behind Peg and Board, which sells handcrafted pegboards, wooden boards that you can put, well, pegs on to hang and store things. As sales have tripled for Laura during the pandemic, she's also run into production problems, while at the same time having to shield at home to protect her six-year-old son. I caught up with Laura recently to find out what she's learned. Shielding basically means we, we can't leave the house. <laughs> so the furthest we can go is, luckily, we've got a garden. We're allowed to put the bins out the front of the house, and that's it. We're not even allowed to go for a walk around the block. So yeah, it's very limiting. <laughs> so basically, you have to grow a business now at the moment, but you, you're finding it difficult too because you literally can't leave the house. Yeah, absolutely. At the start of lockdown... I had thought I would list everything I have in stock. Once it's sold, just ride it out. Wait until this has kind of blown over and then start again. But I've managed to, with a lot of <laughs> kind of planning and phone calls and speaking to people, keep it going and we're busier. <laughs> so it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah, I mean, you said that your business has really taken off because obviously what you're selling right now you know, in part is affordable storage, right? And people are right now at home and they're probably needing products like that more than ever. What are the day-to-day -day challenges that you're trying to go through growing this business right now? 
The challenges are basically making sure I've got everything. Before COVID-19, you could kind of leave things to the last minute because I could, because I live in a city, I could nip out and get things or delivery services were quicker. But now I need to be really on it, making sure I've got orders in place, <laughs> deliveries in place. Luckily, I changed from manufacturing in China to manufacturing locally just before all of this happened. <laughs> and that saved my bacon. <laughs> Why did you make that change? I kind of, I'd had enough of dealing with China. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> what specifically? Was it just a cultural differences? Was it delay? Delays, problems. And then when you have a problem, it takes so much longer to fix so it just it just ended up at first initially the price thing was yeah brilliant but actually when you take a look at things and take your time and the process into consideration doing it locally has been a million times better where did you find your manufacturer in china to begin with because i always find it fascinating where people actually lock down the factory and the agent that they work with when they're on the other side of the world yeah, I um, I started off on Alibaba. I emailed a load of companies that did what I was looking for, probably whittled it down to about 10, then spoke to those guys and ended up going with who I thought had the best communication, who responded the quickest. I can't complain. The, the company I used were lovely, but it's still just a hassle. <laughs> It's still so far away. So you're happy you made the switch to a local manufacturer. Lo and behold, the proverbial shit hit the fan and you have a local manufacturer. Where, in Manchester or close by? Uh, yeah, they're based Greater Manchester. So literally 20 minutes away. I got lucky, basically. <laughs> I, I know you said there were a few throw-in-the-towel moments. Was that just pure, utter frustration? Uh, were there other moments besides that manufacturing thing? Yeah, so literally, I think it was two days before actual lockdown was imposed. I work with a CNC company who cut the holes in my wooden boards just so they're perfect. He kind of disappeared, <laughs> like 100% ghosted. Didn't answer emails, phone calls, text messages. Spoke to my wood supply guy who was like, oh, that's weird, I spoke to him yesterday. So I got the point. I was like, he's obviously maybe got bigger jobs or doesn't want it. I had more orders and no no company to see and see the wood. <laughs> so it, I think that was probably my biggest moment of, I've had enough. Like, why is everything so hard? But my dad, actually, bless him, emailed me over a load of companies that weren't too far away and said, get in contact, see what we can do. And one of them who are now, they're based in Sheffield, so not far, was amazing, on the ball, really quick to respond and could deliver everything to my door. So yeah, again, problem solved. I think it's just maybe stubbornness. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I can do this. I'm not giving up. I managed to fix it, but that could have been a real issue. <laughs> Yeah, demand through the roof, no manufacturer, no way to actually make the things, and you can't leave your house. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Another day as a small business owner. Exactly. Just another kind of issue to face. As you're looking ahead right now, because, you know, more and more places are reopening, it's starting to become slightly less doom and gloom, much more like, right, okay, 
we kind of see the horizon, even though it's still uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. But how are you planning the next half year for your business right now? What, what kind of situations are you planning for? Well, because we're shielding, we're still in the same situation. We received a text from the government saying we've been extended to June the 30th. I still can't go out. Um, so everything will kind of stay the same till then. I have just booked on to do Top Drawer in September. That's still up in the air. But hopefully that will be the thing that we kind of come out of lockdown to and go to, basically. You're not put off from from running a small business anymore. You're not going to completely throw in the towel and kind of, you know, <laughs> join a large company as soon as you're out of shielding and... <laughs> No, absolutely not. I think it's kind of proven to me, yeah, it can work, it can go well, and I'm hopefully going to ride the wave of people being more interested in their home and home offices and go with it. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is the time when, you know, once lockdowns ease and we discover that people actually might make working from home and remote working the new normal they'll probably want to continue kidding out their home offices, right? And buying some of the things like what you're selling. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) That's, um, yeah, the idea. I know my husband, they're saying they won't be back in the office till at least October. And even if they do, they're going to work from home more. So yeah, hopefully home offices will be sticking around. Cool. Any other big lessons you've learned in in the past couple months from running the day-to-day of the company, whether that's manufacturing, marketing, mental health, anything? Uh, Yeah, I guess mental health, it's so much harder to step back from it because everything's here. Like everything is in your house constantly. I'm finding it a lot more harder just to say, right, this weekend I'm not working. I'm just going to sit back to try to do that more, to try and just say, no, okay, yeah, even if you've got a mountain of orders, you still need at least a day in the week to just go... No, no business. (laughs) And that's it for today. If you liked what you heard, I'd love if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And also sign up to our email newsletter, Courier Weekly, for more stories of adapting and growing. That's at couriermedia.co slash sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. Courier Daily is back again tomorrow.